Welcome one and welcome all to another episode of Chillin' with Kofi. We have a great guest for you today. We have Connor Hitchcock. He is the brains behind Homefield Apparel, one of the best clothing brands out there. Your favorite college brand. My favorite college brand and soon to be your favorite college brand. That's How right. How are you doing today? Kofi, I'm doing great. Thank you uh, for having me on. And I am, uh, I'm like... Some percentage of the brains, you know, there are some a lot percentage. of people involved. Some percentage, yes. <laughs> some percentage. Maybe not a majority. We'll see. So I actually have a demo ad read for you. And I was wondering if I could. Like, oh, please. Yeah. Hit on. me with okay. it. I want to okay. hear it right now. Right, I'm going to read it right now. Homefield Apparel is a collegially licensed clothing brand that sells some of the comfiest and best looking articles of clothing that you will see. They have over 100 schools already licensed. And if you don't see your favorite school slash alma mater, have no fear because they are constantly adding schools from T-shirts to hoodies to even fleece joggers that got me through winter. You can check all of their merch on www.homefieldapparel.com. Kofi, that was great because you, you won, we went to ad voice, which is awesome. <laughs> ad voice Two, you hit all the talking points. You know, this is a cool brand. Um, this is what they're, you know, they've got a hundred plus schools. Wow. They must be something. And then you go into a personal example, which you really can't, you teed that up so well. You did a great job. I love all the stuff. I'm especially wearing my, the, my favorite one, the Hawaii sweatshirt. I love all yes. the Hawaii stuff. So that's yes. it. That's been such great stuff. But that was probably my favorite launch, that and Tulane. Okay. So before Homefield, you were originally Hoosier Proud? Yeah. Correct? So when I was in college at Indiana, if you follow us on social media at all, you maybe learned we are from Indiana and enjoy Indiana athletics. I was a student at IU. I, for whatever reason, I wanted to like, I think because you know what it was, it was actually my now wife's cousin had made like a sticker, the outline of the Great Lakes and it sold a bunch to random shops in Michigan and it became pretty popular. So oh, like wow. I bet I could do something with that in Indiana. And so I, I designed a couple of Indiana specific, like the state, uh, stickers and started selling them to a bunch of places in Bloomington and then in Indianapolis. It's all just kind of on the side while I'm in, in college. And it grew to a point where I was like, I should build a website. And so I called it Who's Your Proud? And just like, again, state of Indiana, not necessarily Indiana University, because um, right. that's what we're called when you're from Indiana is Hoosier and nobody knows what it means. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of fun stories behind that too, though. A lot of myths, but yeah. And then these stores started asking for shirts. They were like, Oh, do you do shirts? And I was like, yes, but I was lying. We didn't do shirts. <laughs> um, and so I, I just mocked up a bunch of shirts. I'm not a designer, but I mean, I feel like I have a decent aesthetic taste when it comes to apparel at least. Right. And so I mocked up some shirts and had a random screen printer make some shirts and sold them to these stores. Uh, and fast forward like a year or two later, I like started this my sophomore year of college and I taught myself how to screen print. And so I was doing it like out of my college apartment, on like a tabletop press when like with water-based ink. So it could actually dry with a combination of like sunlight and time even throw them in the oven for a second the literal oven to draw to like cure oh. the ink so i had these like all over my apartment in um in bloomington and was just ship them out to stores and then i ended up graduating from iu uh had like 30 stores in indiana carrying this what i just started kind of the side project 
Um, and in the interim, Indiana football had played in a bowl game against Duke in the pinstripe exactly. bowl, which like is a big deal to Indiana. We've gotten decent at football now, but we never play in bowl games because we have the most losses in division one history. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's like people, it's truly like they've been playing football for so long and they've been so bad for so long. Oh my. Um, but we went in this bowl game and we got all excited and um, went to double overtime and we lined up for a field goal, sent a triple overtime and it was called no good. And it like went over the upright and it from some angles looked good. Yeah. And so like with Indiana football, it's already really tongue in cheek online. If you follow any people like, especially back then in the day, Crimson Quarry was hilarious on Twitter. And this whole idea of the kick was good broke out. Uh, yeah. And so we made like a shirt that didn't require licensing. It's a crimson shirt that just said the kick was good with like an outline in the state of Indiana. And this is why I'm like working now full time. And the shirt went nuts, like sold hundreds in an hour. Um, and this was leading into the 2016 football season. And I mean, at that time, I'm selling like maybe two items a day if I'm lucky on yeah. the Hoosier Proud site. It was just mostly what I did on the side, made some extra money doing festivals and selling stores. Yeah. And so it kind of opened my eyes uh, at that point to, you know, if we got licensed, what could we do with licensing? And so at that point with Hoosier Proud, we go, I ended up getting married to Krista, um, who's my co-founder now with Homefield, but she's the real design and um, anything that looks good with Homefield is because of her. So we start designing for Indiana, for Purdue, Indiana State, Ball State just to see what we could do. And it does really well. Um, again, I'm working in marketing full-time in Indy. Um, it, it does well enough that in 2018, I decided to leave my job and Krista left her job shortly thereafter to launch Homefield in late 2018. And it's been insane since then. Wow. So, so how busy did Hoosier Proud keep you in college? It was like probably 20 hours a week. I wasn't relying on it for my food, right? Or like- right. Yeah, living expenses. So it was just whenever I wanted to, like, didn't stop me from hanging out with my friends. But it mostly be like, I get up early before class, or sometimes skip class. <laughs> um, yeah. to, like print T-shirts, or you know, I'd go do festivals in around Indiana. Some of those, you like, you'd spend twelve hours of your day setting up, and you sell like three T-shirts, and some you sell like a hundred. So it was always a crapshoot. But yeah, I mean, like, it just kind of waxed and wanes because I, I didn't need it, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is the, what is the licensing process? If so, let's yeah. say that you want to sell the merch for a certain university, do you mm -hmm. have to approach the university or does the university approach you or is it a mix of both? And how long does that process take? Yeah. There's like two steps with licensing. I mean, you could get really inside baseball on it, but like 10,000 foot view, you have to convince the university to just let you become a general licensee. And then yeah. every single design needs to be approved by the university that's using their trademarks or they would argue as referencing the university, which, yeah, it's just a lot. And then from there, you're reporting on every single design, every single month, how much it's sold, and they get a percentage of that right off the top. Okay. So in terms of convincing them, it's really hard at first. Um, when I left my job to do home field, a lot of people called us really stupid um, in the industry, nicely, but still stupid because, and they'll tell you, and they're mostly right, that tees and fleece, what we do is the most saturated market 
in all of collegiate licensing. Cause I mean, there's so many things you can get licensed for like bottle openers and grill covers and flags and you know, you know all this. Um, and they, but they, a lot of people didn't quite understand what we were doing differently. So, you know, we had to really prove that, you know, smaller institutions typically are more willing to let you come in and get licensed because they're like, well, you know, we don't have everybody like, like Nike's not trying to make a bunch of stuff for us. They'll maybe do one or two shirts a year for us. So sure. You can come in and try something. So we did, we proved ourselves as smaller institutions that we were going to come in and not make just really comfortable apparel. You know, we weren't just going to make that. And we weren't just going to go after their bookstores, which that's where everybody's brains were, but that we were going to come in and make designs that were unique, that told a story and that um, the brand itself engaged people. Cause that was yeah. our big selling point was that there was never in our, in our belief, there wasn't a national collegiate apparel brand. There were places that sold collegiate apparel and there's like bookstore brands that you may not know the name of, but you maybe recognize their logo, but you couldn't, if I said, Hey, Kofi, what's a collegiate apparel brand? You probably would just say, well, Fanatics sells it, you know? Right. So that was our whole idea, but we had to prove it with smaller schools first. So in Indiana, we, you know, we got licensed for IU because I was an IU grad and we had a lot of good connections there. That was, was super helpful. And that definitely helped us later on. And then Purdue came on because of that. But in Indiana, that's getting licensed for University of Southern Indiana, University of Evansville, DePaul, Valparaiso, and showing that, you know, we can pull unique things from your history. And then maybe a ball state in Indiana state's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we'll let you try that. And then it, as you go up with institutions, you kind of have to prove yourself, but now we do have schools coming to us all the time. Yeah. I mean, all the time. It's crazy. I guess it's just like too many colleges come to you at one time. I guess you just have to have like a queue of like what to yes. license because you can't like just do all of them at the same time. Or Right. And that's where we are now is like, we have probably going to launch 50 schools this year, but wow. we want to do it the right way. You know, yeah. we don't want to just say, hey, go buy this on our website now. We want to give that school a shine and tell those stories well and get people engaged with it. So it's this balancing act. Like we'd love to carry everybody's school right now. Um, but one, we want to do it the right way. We want to make sure the designs are awesome and we're not just throwing logos on there. But we want to give them the shine on social media. And then operationally, like we're on our third headquarters right now in two years and we're about to move to our fourth. Um, oh it's pretty, yeah, it's been bonkers and we want to make sure we can get your order out on time, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just this, that. So is that the inspiration for big new Saturday where you kind of just held every, uh, release for just have their own week, have their own weekend. I love the competition that you kind of <laughs> put between where it's like this, you had like a scoreboard of like which brands. So that's why I like, se I celebrated Hawaii. I was like. Hawaii's last. Yeah. I, I need I need to Hawaii has the best looking merch. I need to support. Yes. So big news Saturday, man. Yeah. For those who don't know, we decided last year, it was really how we kind of, for lack of a better term, blew up was big news Saturday last year. It was the idea that in the summer, um, when there's really nothing going on before the NBA came back in the bubble. I mean, we were all watching the last dance and like appointment television, right? Um, right. and so we knew we had these. We had seven schools that we said, okay, we're going to launch in 2020. We had no plan yet. And we were just going to kind of launch them to no fanfare. And we thought, well, there's nothing going on. Why don't we 
<laughs> I hate saying make content, but make content out of launching these schools. And, you know, since what we do is tell stories with our designer, specific times in history, we can explain where all these designs come from and build anticipation for a whole week. So right. we said we were going to do big new Saturday, this event starting in July for 15 weeks. And we only had seven schools on board, <laughs> uh, but we figured like, yeah, it'll catch on and we'll get somebody else. And so we launched the promotion with Tulane and Hawaii. And then people wanted to know each week how every school is doing relative to the other. And so we started right. to launch like an AP top 25 every Monday morning of like what sales numbers had done for Hawaii day or Absolutely. Tulane day. And then it started to create like rivalries. Cause like we'd launch Yukon and then we launched Syracuse two weeks later and literally out of pure hatred Syracuse, when they realized they were still behind like 20% from Yukon with 30 minutes left, like people just bought absurd amounts just to beat Yukon. It was like the stupidest <laughs> thing I've seen. Like, like, like they, some people would be like, okay, oh, my sister would like this. So I'm going to add this now because we're trailing UConn and I need to beat them. Yeah, it was pretty great for us. <laughs> now, early on, did you have times when you felt like giving up the entire thing? And if not, what kept you going? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we launched the brand in 2018. And the summer of 2019, I stopped taking a paycheck and like I launched this, I left my job when I was 23. So it wasn't like I had a bunch of savings lined yeah. up now. Like I'm really privileged in a lot of ways and that I was able to still make the jump. So I'm not blind to that, certainly. But I mean, still, I, I wasn't taking a paycheck. Krista was she was working full time, but hadn't started getting a paycheck. And we had like 800 bucks left in the bank account. Like we would make payroll for like our employees, like one more time. And then that would have been it. You know, a lot of things happened at that moment, but there's a specific moment. And I've, I've talked about it a bit where like in July of 19, we went to just a local brewery here in town and just sat down and we were like, what do we do? Like <laughs> It was, I mean, it wasn't, I never personally wanted to quit. It was more like, do I have the option? of going forward because you know you're out of money you're out of money and the dream's dead and so a lot of things kind of came together in the coming weeks and it was really kind of a partnership uh one start advertising with banner society um that was big and two we had kicked off the nine windiana campaign which for those unaware was the idea that indiana football was going to win nine games in 2019 and they came like so dangerously close to doing so uh, yeah. And then we launched a bunch of new schools that were like really niche fan bases, but rode super hard for them, like Georgia Southern or Southern Miss or SMU. Um, and those things kind of all work together. What, what we still only offered like probably 10% of college graduates in the United States. Right. So right. what we were trying to do was still really niche and a really small market is growing still, but you know, growing that market and partnering with the right people and Indiana football taking off that season like out, out of a complete joke that we had made to save for nine Indiana, like that kind of saved home field. And we started to be like, we unleashed the Twitter account at the same time. Just we're like, we don't care anymore. We're going to be like, we're going to treat the account as though we're a stream of consciousness as opposed to like being a brand. Were you so, just like link sharing at first on Twitter? Yeah. It'd be like, Oh, look at this cool release we did. Link. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. Now we just, I mean, 
probably like we probably need to rein it in a little too much sometimes like it's been all brad stevens tweets the last four days but <laughs> um and like begging trill ballins to come back to tweet about brad stevens to iu but uh yeah i think it is our number one source of revenue i think that the fact that your your organic twitter account is organic it's natural and it's more it's more likely to be engaged with because you can tell that it's a human at the other end of mm-hmm. the Twitter account. You know, yeah. a lot of these, a lot of these other brand Twitter accounts are just like, I'm just here to post these, these shoes or these. And if you buy it, you buy it, you don't, you don't, but you guys, yeah. you guys, I feel like you guys build more of a community. There mm-hmm. are some people that even though they are an alumni of one school will buy other schools merch because it just looks so cool. Like I went to Maryland. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm see I'm wearing a Hawaii thing. I have I have slippery. I have a slippery rock sweater because <laughs> yeah. it just looks cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people love the designs mm-hmm. as well. So it doesn't matter like where they went to college. It's just like I like this design. I like rooting for this um, brand. Yeah, you hit on that with community, and that's like a buzzword when you talk to people about social or content or sports in general, but it is true. I mean, I, I look back and I, you know, that, that low point I'm talking about in July of 19, that's less than a year after we launched the brand. Like, you, I mean, what you guys have done with secret base, like you, you can't build a consensus. It's so rare to build a consensus around anything in less than a year. Like, are you kidding right. me? Yeah. Um, it takes like so much time. And we were really fortunate in that, you know, we just made partnerships and friends with good people like the Crimson Quarry guy, the old CQ guys. They like in, they had built a community over years about like irony posting about Indiana athletics and like brought us into a community they had built. The Banner Society people like I mean, you know them very well. They're like amazing people. And they had built a community for years and they welcomed us into that community, made us a part of it. And so all these communities that we've joined have now also become a part of our community. And you're right. Like we did for big news Saturday, people asked us to do a subscription service to get a shirt a week from a different school, which like I would never do, but then we had hundreds of people signed up for it to get like a slippery rock shirt and then a Yukon shirt and then a Syracuse shirt and then a Michigan shirt. Like, yeah, it was crazy. I think that that's, that's a great idea. As someone that has a, a stance sock subscription that yes. gets two pairs of socks every month, I think that a home field goodie bag or grab bag every yeah. every month sign me up definitely. Yeah, it uh, it was crazy. Yeah, people people have blown us away with their generosity. I mean, we get every week our our customer service lead Brittany, she rocks. Um, but she'll get like three handwritten letters a week and like saying like thank you from people or like they'll send us. Now they know that we're all big Indiana fans. They'll send us like game stubs or like ticket stubs from games that like Indiana got rocked against like their team <laughs> um, or like random postcards or like during the holidays when we were working crazy hours, especially this past year, like seven different people from Twitter sent our team like ice cream from McDonald's or like snacks at like midnight, which was just like, it's, it's insane. We're like, we're a t-shirt brand taking your money and you're sending us things because you want to help take care of our people. You know, like it, it, it blew me away. And I think that you guys have been also giving it back. And I wanted to thank you for 
uh, the fundraiser you guys did for the furloughed Banner Society members. That's actually how I found out about your brand because of that time last year and you guys really raised a lot of money for them. So they're, they're some of my close friends and coworkers, former coworkers. Um, so I thank you for that because I don't think a lot of, I don't think a lot of brands would do that. Honestly. I, I appreciate that, that the credit for all that. I mean, we, we provided a medium for money to be donated, but I mean, that's all on, I was just talking with somebody about this the other day. Like, it's all on the community they built, right? They made people feel they themselves are so generous. Like one, especially to me, but then two, like they do a fundraiser. It's about, it's coming up again every year for new American pathways. And they raise so much money, hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year um, yeah. for refugees here in the United States. You know, when we put out, they're my friends, you know, it's not just like colleagues, like they are like weeks before they were furloughed, Richard, Alex, and Ryan, we're in Indy for the combine and we got dinner that night, you know, it right. is obviously an association of us sponsoring their podcast, but it has gone beyond that for me at that time they were furloughed and we thought, you know, we have an easy way to raise money and they have a great community that'll support them. So it did blow us away though. We thought it was going to raise like 2000 bucks um, and just help with a few grocery runs, but they, their community ended up pitching like enough to raise $45,000, Yeah, which for those four individuals, I mean, I hope it, it went a long way for them, but yeah, no, they're, they're phenomenal. We're ride or die with them as banner society, as moon crew, as whatever. That's yeah. awesome. That's really awesome. Mm. What has been your biggest, Oh my God, our brand has made it moment. Like, Oh, blank, <laughs> blank knows about this brand or we've been able yeah. to do this. And I remember when we had $800 and we read a movie yeah. and now we're what's, what's been some of the coolest moments. There have been a lot, you know, there hasn't been like, I don't know if there's been like one particular, I can just list off a few of them. The athletic did a profile on big new Saturday and home field back in November of 2020. And that was like, well, like that was kind of crazy. Um, Cause we're just like, I mean, there's 20 of us that print t-shirts out of Indianapolis and, you know, we're not some massive uh, corporation. Uh, that kind of was crazy. I remember during the 2019 football season, 2019, 2020, when nine Indiana became a national thing and like being set on ESPN shows, um, that kind of blew me away and they wouldn't say home field by name, but it just had right. something we built with Kyle and Chris from Crimson Quarry had, you know, bubbled up to like that level. Yeah. Um, I remember Mike Golick jr. Who I know now from Twitter and it's great, but like him wearing one of our shirts on, I think it was like, it was on the radio show. He was like, you know, there's just these, these little moments that, that keep happening. One night I had to stay until six 30 in the morning to print t-shirts. And, you know, and that wasn't like a big national moment, but it was like, you just kind of look around and you're like, what have we done? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm sure you've had the same, I'm sure recently hitting a million subscribers on YouTube, like that must've been one of those moments for you. Um, but everything, at least I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it just has been, it feels you almost become numb to the next thing. And then also you're like, is this real? You know, like it, it, like you were talking, I was listening a couple of weeks ago to your podcast with the and, you know, talking about imposter syndrome and like, I feel like that's said a lot now there's a growing awareness of that, but right. I do feel that where it's like, okay, like, is this really real? And then one way 
to snap out of that for me is to go into the warehouse, which is cool about what we do and see the physical orders going out. You know, you can see names and numbers on the screen and you can become kind of numb to that, but to see the the physical orders and we have boxes stacked to the ceiling in this warehouse, like, Oh yeah. Like that has been kind of the more mind blowing moment for me. I think working for a million subscriber YouTube channel is just, it's so nerve wracking. Cause I came, I came over last, it was like May, 2019. Um, I came over to the video team the video team, I think had maybe want to say around 700,000 subscribers already. Mm-hmm. And even just that big of a platform that I was just able to like come here and then be able to post my first video was very nerve wracking because it was like, Oh my God, all these people are going to see it. Are they going to hate it or whatnot? And I still get, I don't sleep before whenever we release a fumble dimension, I am usually, it's usually a sleepless night Mm -hmm. because it's usually a lot of me toiling over, Hey, did I make a mistake? Are the captions wrong? Is there something? Because there's not something I'm going to take out. Is no. there something I mixed on audio poorly or whatnot? And then for the first hour, I'll read the comments. And then like the first day, I'll read the comments mm. and I won't read the comments anymore. No. The comments mm. are usually positive all the time, but it's just that that constant refreshing that I just like, I'm like, no, let's not do this anymore. Let's just move on to the next project. Yeah, so. it's hard not to internalize it and have it become really personal. Like even. That's the same way with, with Saturdays in the summer last year. It was like, yeah, it's like 11.55 and you're like, AM. And I'm just like, all right, I'm getting ready to tweet this out. And you just like immediately just like refresh, 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 see what people are saying. And it's so hard not to key in on like every once in a while, someone will, I mean, it's people's opinion. They can have their right. opinion, but people yeah. will have an opinion that you're like, no, this is a great shirt in my mind, but like, <laughs> you know, you can see 80 people saying this is amazing and retweeting it, and you're seeing people buying it. But the one person you just like key in on who's like Sox fan 57, you know, yeah. um, but it's so hard not to. And it's so hard not to make it personal to like divorce yourself from what you do. Right. Yeah. What's the best piece you've ever what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? for Ooh. all of this and what advice would you give to someone that want, might want to start their own clothing band brand whether it was collegiate athletics or just some like streetwear brand or yeah. anything in between the best piece of advice i've gotten um are you aware of the brand homage of the yes. brand homage? they're yeah. they're based in ohio ohio yeah okay so i know ryan their founder uh, i've gotten to become good friends with them over the last year and a half like our styles are similar we yeah. do kind of different lanes but there was one night I was texting him about something and I was like worried about one of the shirts we did or whatever. And he goes, dude, it's just t-shirts. Like I was like, it's just t-shirts, you know? And that, and it really helped me because I was like, you're absolutely right. Like, even if we did like, yes, people will be upset if we screwed up an order or something or yeah, um, obviously we want to do what we do really well, but it's just like for my very specific industry, it's just t-shirts. Like, there are people who are doing a whole lot more important things. I don't know what word I use there, than things, but things than we are, you know. Um, and, and that's that's really uh, it's translated to way the way that we run things. Like I'm, I can be pretty corny, and so like we do have like core values with our team, and we'll be like, one of them is we're not saving the world. It's just t-shirts, but it's because we actually mean it, you know. Um, and that's honestly been the best piece of advice I've had. It's like okay. 
you sent out a wrong t-shirt. Okay. Like no one died. <laughs> um, you're just going to maybe have to refund them or, you know, maybe they don't come back and buy another t-shirt from you. That has been honestly just keeping things in perspective in terms of what we do. And that's, that helps me thinking through like, you know, we've had to work some really long hours, like, and with a physical product, you have to work them. It's not like you can, like, I remember in college, like just cramming super hard and fitting like 20 hours of studying into like four, but Mm -hmm. here it's like, you can't with a physical limitation, you know, I can't go run a mile in two minutes. I can't ship out 500 packages in 30 seconds. So there is something where like, even though I could say it's not the end of the world, it's just t-shirts. I still have to work super hard. But that's ultimately been the best piece of advice I've gotten. For me, uh, with someone trying to start something new, I would say very practically, one, do not quit your job until you absolutely have to. Um, Because this paycheck is really nice to have. I like pay myself now. And I did after that whole $800 thing. But I'm making still way under what I would make if I were just you know, going a normal course, because then I also think the paycheck thing is important too. Like, I don't care about the money I'm receiving now, but the idea of, you know, okay, let's say you, you jump and you try the idea. If it fails and you have to go back to your normal job, you're probably not going to try it again, even if it was a great idea, but we have home field was a great idea and it wasn't panning out for a year plus. Right. Um, so keeping the paycheck for sure, very practically in terms of like more aspirational, truly self-examining and be like, am, is anyone doing what I am doing now? And really believing again, it's corny, but believing if, if you actually believe that and believing yourself enough to continue to try to do it, because people kept trying to tell me in the industry for like two plus years, no, some, we already have somebody that does that. And I felt like I was like going crazy. Like, no, like I th- look at the difference. There is no, no one is even coming close to what we're doing with home field. Right. Um, And had I just listened to people who had been in that spot for 30 years and who would be viewed as wise, like I still, a lot of them still actually, I think are really smart, caring people, but had I listened to that, we would have never been here. So finding that difference in niche. And then if you really believe it, like not letting go of it until you like you're forced to, you know, it just takes a lot of fight. Yeah, I think that's that goes back to another thing. It's just like, especially when you're in something creative is not taking everyone's advice. So when I'm I'm going to I'm going to give a negative about my journalism school that I went to uh-huh. the University of Maryland. Go Terps. go Terps, go Terps. Love the journalism school. However, the thing about journalism school or any school where you have like a major is that all of these teachers have different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. There isn't this one way of reporting or this one way of how to shoot a news. You can do that many ways. And when I got to my sophomore year, I was realizing that sometimes like teachers, that one thing that you learn from freshman year, a sophomore year teacher would be like, no, don't do it like that. Do it like this. So then at this point, I was just like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take what I think is right from everybody. And then I'm just going to like, I'm going to tank this class, not tank, mm-hmm. tank, but I'm going to be like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change what I think is right to get an A. I'll get a B or even a C plus, And then we will just move on to the next class until yeah. I catch you. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, and then I feel like for that, I had the best education and the best kind of things that I believed in for me. Mm-hmm. But 
of course, there's always more than one way to do most things unless you're working like computer science or yeah, I feel like even comp- I don't know about much. Yeah, no, nothing about computer science. But that's a really good point though, because in, in that sense, you're not saying you're not shutting yourself off completely to that person. But like, right. In order to do something new, this is going to sound uh, very reductionistic and stupid. But in order to do something new, you have to do something new, like that's never been done before. You know, right. if you just yeah. follow the same path, like especially in journalism, I feel like now, like you have to be so creative. Because those defined paths that were there for your professors 25 years ago do not exist anymore. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a great way. That's a great perspective. Because like a lot of those people who told me it was a terrible idea, I still view them as very wise and valuable people that I still talk to today. For oh, of course, same. Lots of invoy, insight that I still use now, but it's having the discernment. And that's tough when you're a college kid or even I'm still in my 20s to see these people who've been successful and maybe that their success reinforces their one way of doing things in their minds rather than opening themselves up to other things. But like, it's really tough to be in that position where you feel like you're not listening to an authority or a successful person, but you also have to believe in yourself. Like it's like NBA players. They all believe they're the best player on the floor. Even like you're like Jordan Clarkson on team with LeBron James and he's taking 15 shots a game. It's like, give the damn ball to LeBron James. Like (laughs) like when he's on the caps, you have to have that belief and mindset or else you will not do it. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. We're going to move on to some uh, listener questions. So we have Will Klumpenhauer. What's the Holy grave of vintage logos. One that is beautiful beyond comprehension, but nearly impossible to get the licensing rights to. (laughs) <laughs> that's a I, I think that's a great question personally the holy grail of vintage logos um so there's gonna be like probably my holy grail and then probably maybe more like more commonly understood ones so for me growing up an indiana guy there were two logos and maybe they're more holy grail because they're off limits maybe that's contributing to it for indiana Number one for me was the oval logo which was super gross i don't know if you've ever seen it um, but it's when Randall L played for Indiana, uh, from like 98 to 02 and Cam Cameron was the coach for Indiana. He came over from the NFL. He wanted to rebrand. IU's whole football program to look like the 49ers. So it's literally the 49ers logo with IU colors with IU putting it. It's really gross, but I really wanted it. Uh, <laughs> I bugged IU for like two and a half years and they finally let me use it for like a month. And that was like, that was a Holy grail that we checked off the next holy grail for me was the drop shadow iu logo it was like late nine well, really or 80s through 2000s again iu guy um but i've bugged iu for about four years let me use that and they finally with the football team uh doing really well this year they let me use it for one month so those are my personal holy grails in general for me it's like holy grail maybe colors or schools like carolina blue for me is right. like oh, yeah. that is the holy grail of collegiate aesthetics and there are some great tar heels out there it's hard to like explain exactly which one again more on a podcast but like just the idea of because we have light blue on the website but it is it's very different like than carolina blue just the idea of like yeah just thinking about like specifically like carolina blue mostly stays the same but it kind of changes throughout the years like the michael jordan years carolina blue May not be the logo, but that's like in my mind when I think of like unattainable, like beautiful. Yeah, it's that. I, 
I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, as yep. a Duke as a Duke fan. So I've uh, been like, tra- I've been trained to hate North Carolina, but but the one thing, like yeah, we're trained to hate you. However, your color scheme <laughs> so good, can't even can't even deny it. It's like it's like screw you guys, but we will <laughs> it's it's the vince vaughn and anchorman uh like i hate you ron burgundy but god damn it do i respect you, you. <laughs> oh my god oh, yeah god. yes right. the next question is from david peterson when undertaking the search process is there something in a logo you specifically look for well one um there's like categories mascots wearing sweaters always a plus mascots wearing or <laughs> any activity immediate yes i don't care what it is we all freak out about it we have like a whole we have mood boards for every school whether we're licensed for them or not and like those are automatic yeses the ones we get most excited about like slippery rocks mascot wearing a like a fur coat with a button that says win um and holding a pennant automatic yes we freak out about <laughs> so really mascots doing anything we also we really try to look for if the school allows it because it these are like hot button issues within school marketing colors that the university doesn't use anymore like xavier uses a light blue in like uh-huh. the 70s and 80s and now they're all navy so like we have a shirt with a lighter blue on it and like, yeah, anything that is like, cause we're trying to be different. Right. But also right. not just different, but to like tell a story. I mean, we have an Indiana shirt that's light blue because for one season in 1958, they wore light blue to reverse the fortunes of the program in 1958. And it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> had, to, had to take Tom Allen coming in um, to, to do that. But we have a light blue shirt with an IU logo, you know? So I would say, yeah, mascots doing anything cool and um, different color variations. So I think my last question for you is that you guys have so many big things going. The potential is through the roof for your company. What are your short term and long term goals? The ones that you can like that you don't have to keep under wraps, you know, like nothing, Mm, nothing nothing classified. But like, what do you what would you what would the dream be where you see yourself in five years, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we do home field because we actually love what we do. You know, it's not like I work in technology and I had an idea to solve this problem. And right. like I, I've convinced myself I love solving this problem, but really I just like building something. Like we, we to the core of us, love collegiate apparel and like weird mascots and all that. So we're not necessarily looking to build it just to build it. Like we, we, want to be licensed i guess the easy answer is in five years we want to be licensed for every single school creating just like the most like what we do now but expanding it to all schools i'll be frank most of the schools like we're gonna have quite soon we have big new saturday this summer and uh, well there's a little tease uh it's this summer everyone um (laughs) (laughs) haven't said that publicly yet oh no (laughs) we have it this summer what have you done to me uh we have it this summer and the schools we have, it's just hilarious to look at the list. Like it's going to be massive for us. Also, it's, it's an internal thing. You know, we, our team, whether it is like the lowest on the org chart above, like everyone is paid well above market rate for their role and has given healthcare, no matter what they do in the company, if they're full-time with us, you know, it is building a team environment 
that allows people to work, like come, like if you're going to be somewhere for 40 hours, might as well be enjoyable, you know, and, and might as well feel fulfilling and, and have team members around you and, and invest in this city. But then like, you don't take work home with you, you know? And so for yeah. us, it's the external of building this awesome brand. And maybe one day we'd get into something beyond collegiate. Who knows? I can't really speak to that. I don't know. That's why I can't speak to it. Um, but for me, like, what really gets me excited is, you know, we build this awesome product. Then we have a team where like everyone just feels taken care of. Everyone feels like, you know, we, we don't, we try to border on um, not being like work family type things. Cause that even that in and of itself can feel almost manipulative. Like you feel tied to your work. So now you're going to do extra things for your employer. Right. Yeah. But what gets Chris and myself excited is like, we have the opportunity to run a, to run something where people go to work. And so might as well make it fit within their lives and help them accomplish what they want in their lives, you know? And that's what really gets me excited as we grow is um, it allows us the opportunity to do that. Right. So that's really where we want to be in five years, but I'd be on the shout out for, uh, or the lookout for this summer for a big new Saturday. So. All right. That sounds good. Connor, thank you so much for joining yeah. me. This is a really fun episode. I appreciate it and love what you're doing. And I cannot wait to see you guys go to higher and higher heights. I appreciate it, Kobe. Thanks, man. No problem. For those of you, if it's your first time listening to Chillin' with Kofi, feel free to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. It's not iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Does iTunes still exist? I have no idea. I'm a Spotify person. Feel free to also check it out on Spotify, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. And now we have video episodes. So, of course, if you're listening to this on audio and want to catch the video version of podcasts i i hired a video editor so that's really cool stuff and yeah looking forward to see you guys for next episode this has been chilling with kofi and i will see you guys later bye